2: And welcome, once again, everybody, to Marvelous Monday. We invite the children and the men and the women to stop by and see us tonight on Marvelous Monday. We are just a few hours, just a few hours from Election Day, primary Day in Texas. Texas kicking off with one of the first the very first, state in the union to kick off on their primary. And so if you have not voted during early voting, by all means, come right on out on tomorrow morning. The polls will be open at seven oh seven o'clock in the morning, closing at 7 p.m. tomorrow evening. Uh, Don't let anyone take your vote away from you because your voice, uh, your vote is your voice. And so we want to make sure that all of those that are here in East Texas who are registered to vote to get out there to vote. And remember this, one in six ballots that have come through Smith County, the county for which I live in, uh, have been turned away for whatever reasons. Uh, There could be a missing signature. You forgot to check a box or whatever, but that is the report that we have gotten. And so if you think that you may be one of those persons uh, that mailed in your ballot and you skipped something, please go down to any of the voting booths, ask for your ballot, and make sure that whatever happened that you can check that off so that your ballot will be counted. Otherwise, your ballot will not be counted. So remember that. If you were a mail-in ballot and you think you may have skipped something, then please go and make sure that your vote gets counted. So remember tomorrow, March the 1st. Remember that February is all gone. It's hard to believe that the whole month has already gone by already, and we're into our third month of uh, of this year twenty twenty two and oh my goodness, so tomorrow begins march the first so with that being said, I think I can hear some of those uh members that are part of this team that are on here first of all, welcome to block talk u s a radio uh if uh and I can hear some noises in the background dr. Dr Hagney are you there? Let's see Dr. Hagney's not there. are you there, dr. Hagney? I think I heard it. Okay. So which one of the team members are here. I know I don't know if Pastor Cooper's on already. I know Mr. Arthur said he's gonna be a Yes, there he is. How are you doing, stranger? My goodness. It's so great to hear your voice. <laughs> it's We've great been to be missing heard. You. You're you. You're too busy. You're too busy. <laughs> it's great to be heard. Well well Doctor Hagney, we, we are going to kick off and, and let you just get us going and and bring us up to date on what is going on and what all that the task force is doing. We're so proud of the great work that you continue to do uh, in our community. And so, go ahead and bring us an up, bring us up to date on COVID nineteen.
3: Hey, sister, I, I I don't know if you heard. This is Pastor Cooper. This is not Hagney, Doctor Hagney.
2: Hey, Pastor Cooper, wonderful. Okay, yeah. well then. Uh, let's see. Let me just share with you, Pastor Cooper, that we just okay. finished an amazing uh, debate, uh, and um, well, I, I didn't—I I didn't really call it a debate. I call it a, a major discussion. A representation wow. of real brilliant young men that uh, that are running for Congress. And I believe we have one on the line with us right now. And so we are going to all open this floor up and allow them, uh, the one that we have on right now, to have an opportunity to introduce himself and give us a little bit more. They did outstanding. I tell you what. Whomever gets up to Congress, we have some brilliant people, brilliant young folks that are bringing some great ideas, uh, to East Texas. And you know I'm a proponent of East Texas, right, Pastor Cooper? Very much so. So we'll, we're gonna get around to Pastor Cooper after a little, little bit, but we're gonna open the floor to, uh, Mr. Jamar Jefferson. And, uh, Jamar, I think that you're there. If you, if you, if you can hear us and you're there, Uh, just uh, come right on in and introduce yourself and let the people that are listening all across East Texas, all across the nation, as a matter of fact, to let them know exactly who you are. Go ahead, and I'll mute out and give you this opportunity. Go ahead. Jamar, are you there? Press 1, Jamar, if, uh, if you're online. I think I just got a text message from him that says he is online with us. Go ahead, Mr. Jefferson. So I don't know. Ms. Rihanna is going to be a little late coming in, Uh, our engineer, uh, Jamar. So um, Hmm. I'm I'm, I'm not sure why we can't hear you. Um. So he's – yeah, because you didn't have any problems coming in, right, Pastor Cooper? No. Can you hear me? And I didn't – I could, yes, I, okay. Now, that is, okay, let me see. I, I know I've invited several guests on with us tonight, but I wanted to give, uh, before we get into our actual guests that we have coming in with us tonight, that I wanted to give those guys that were part of the uh, congressional, they're running for United States Congress in District 1. And that was a debate that we had tonight And we thank also Dr. Marcus Hood over at Liberty Baptist Church For opening up his facility and allowing us that opportunity So I don't know, now tell me if you're on I know Pastor Cooper, I know you're on Pastor Cooper But I'm trying to see if uh, Mr. Jamar Jefferson is on Go ahead See, I'm getting several voices. I thought I also heard Dr. Hagney as well. Dr. Yeah, Hagney, are you there? I'm, okay, yes, Dr. I'm Hagne. here. We, yes, good. We, we'll start with you opening up and, and giving us your COVID update and everything. We have certainly missed having you on. I know you've been very busy with various sundry things. We have a, a very special guest that's going to – and Jamar is sending me messages saying he is on as well. And I'm not sure why it's why he's not coming in. But go ahead, Pastor Cooper, and uh and I'm gonna say to Jamar, Jamar if you will hang up and then redial back in because I can't, we can't hear you, so just hang up and redial back in. You should not have any problems. And then we're going to go to him, and then we're going to go to our special guest, uh, Mr. Jay Clagberg, that's going to be on with us tonight. Uh, go ahead, uh, pass, uh, Dr. Hagney, and I will mute out and see if we can work on getting <laughs> Jamarian. Go ahead.
4: Excellent. I, I would say first don't worry, all, all of all, congratulations. <laughs> Hall of Famer.
2: Thank, oh, thank you, We'll talk thank about you. that
4: later. Uh, (laughs) I have to say that, you know, first, look, I'm very honored, uh, as you as you mentioned, busy with the uh, COVID and everything. I'll just give a quick update. Uh, Discussion is, you know, to talk about it's going down and, and discussion about 7% of the individual will be without masks. That's, you know, and then of course, there are some major undertones occurring with this. Uh, There are the Medicaid individual having problems or, uh, being vaccinated. And I just want information, in <clears> summation, <throat> the African-American community is still at the bottom of all this. And one of the reports there in California, uh, we're seeing the increased number of blacks who are, are death rates is mainly because of the unvaccinated. And also there are other issues about disparity in our community. And that's what I'm saying. And so I just want to say in summation, the, the, pan, the pandemic is not over if you're not, uh, uh, people who are not vaccinated. And you don't have a regular health care, and that means that that recommends that, that represents majority of uh, African Americans. So those who have not been vaccinated and those who do not have a regular healthcare system, this pandemic is not over for you. And I, you mentioned our hubs. I'm so excited about what we're doing at Church Hub. I can't say enough about our pastors. We have 15 church hubs in northeast Texas now, and within the next month we'll probably we'll approach close to 20. I cannot say enough for the black churches and black pastors. They are really coming on. It's all in one word, trust. We see an increased trust in our community through our black churches and through our black pastors. So much so we're going to take charge of this health care system because when we look at the numbers, it's unacceptable where we are. We have we, for too long we allowed a on someone else taking care of particularly in health care so we're saying no longer we're going to take charge in health care we're going to, we're going to start doing things for ourselves we're going to start getting involved because there's something else we're discussing we're discussing primary care uh, desert uh, that we we talk about everybody know about food deserts they know about yeah. pharmacy deserts they need to be understanding there are primary care deserts if you don't have a primary care doc. and and you don't have a regular healthcare system, you are falling through the cracks. This is why we're going to take charge of this, and we're going to work on these areas. And so in summation, I just want to let you know uh, this pandemic is not over if you have not been vaccinated and if you don't have a regular care system. So that's, that's my conclusion, and I give away to all our special guests.
2: Very good. Thank you, uh, Dr. Hagney, for that update. And, and I have to concur with you that it is not over. Yes, things are a little better. More people are getting vaccinated, but we need a lot more people uh, to get vaccinated so that we can mitigate uh, this dreadful uh, disease that we have experienced going into our third year right now, Dr. Hagney? That's right. That's right. In and it's the, going to our third year. And it's going yes. to continue. Yes. yes. Okay, well, as you know, as I mentioned, uh, this is election season, and so we had an amazing time out there tonight with uh, candidates talking about why they should uh, win this seat and represent us in Washington, D.C. in the Congressional District uh, 1, and so we have Mr. Jamar Jefferson who is on, and hopefully we'll be able to see him. So, Mr. Jefferson, are you there? and I'm not sure why it's happening with him. It's not, uh, maybe he's in an area, and text me and let me know that you can hear us, and I'm not sure why we cannot hear him. It's um, it's sad, and I, I really hate that, because that these because young folks, they had a great message.
4: Is he traveling? He says
2: he can, he can hear, and yes, he's probably traveling. He can hear us, but We can't hear him, and he's probably heading back. He lives uh, in Mount Pleasant, so he's probably heading back. Yes, There
0: you go. Can you hear me?
2: We can hear you you now. East Texas. Can you hear me? East (laughs) Texas. East Texas can hear you. East Texas.
0: (laughs) Hey, I just want to thank you, Dr. McKellar, for all that you do in the community, and I want to thank the pastor that is educating us uh, to let us know that we need to continue to trust in God uh, because God is in control. And I'm a firm believer that uh, this pandemic will be cured by the Most High. So yes, everyone, my name is Jamar J.J. Jefferson, and I'm not just running for Congress. I'm demanding change for every East Texan, all of God's children all around the world, especially right here in Texas County, to the Hemp Hill, to Tyler, Longview, Mount Vernon, Dangerfield, every county that has been left out, left to live in an unacceptable poverty. I wanna be your representative in Congress to make sure we enforce the Constitution, make sure we restore people's rights, a freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and a right to vote. I was telling Dr. McKellar that when I'm in Congress, my father, who is in prison right now, Delma Banks, Jr., who was railroaded by Bowie County, paid one witness $200, an arson charge dropped for another. I am a son of a so-called convicted murderer, and I'm running for Congress. Why? Because God is in control. And even when they set you up, I believe the one that they called Jesus, they said, Potiphar said, I can find no fault in this man. But yet, they said they chose Barabbas. The people need to choose J.J. You need to choose the right person that can go to Washington and make sure we can get, as I said tonight, three things that I want you to vote for me for because I'll work for and we will get it. Investment into East Texas. Second thing, more investment into East Texas. And the third mm. thing, enforcing the Constitution in East Texas. Because the reason we are in a situation that we are in, number one, if my people would just humble themselves and pray, try, turn from their wicked ways, and then he will hear us and heal the land. So we need to get back to our biblical principles, our morality, and we need to unify Why? Because the Constitution is there. You have the state of Texas denying people the right to vote, and they shouldn't. I'm going to fight fiercely to make sure that stops. We don't have to negotiate for voting rights on federal elections. It's already there. We just have states misinterpreting misinterpreting Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution. So there are Supreme Court debates or hearings ready right now. We just need people who are passionate, who has the fire in them like David did. And he said, who is this Goliath that would dare insult and had a whole nation afraid? He said, I would do to this Goliath the same thing I did to the lion and the bear. And we can just build off the shoulders of Dr. King, W.D. Du Bois, uh, Booker T. Washington, Nat Turner, all of the great people that came before us. Listen, we have an opportunity right now to vote for a righteous man, to tell Congress, let God's people go. And we will not be subjugated to poverty any longer. We need to do something about it. Barack Obama said this. We have a fundamental duty to build for the next generation, and I want to continue on their work, so East Texas, if you can hear me, vote for JJ tomorrow. Okay, that's (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
2: Well, well, let me introduce uh, the team here, Uh, Mr. JJ. That was actually Dr. Richard Agnew, who is a uh, PhD pharmacist, and uh, he started the uh, uh, task force here in um, the the Northeast Texas Task Force where he brought a lot of uh, black professionals and others uh, together to try to make sure that the people in the African-American communities throughout East Texas uh, was taken care of doing COVID and was able to get tested and was able to get their vaccines and all the things that that we were working toward happening in East Texas. And that's who was actually speaking and giving us a report. And then, of course, you know Pastor Michael Cooper, uh, who is running for governor for the state of Texas, who is actually – are One of the hosts of this uh, Monday night show, Blog Talk USA Radio, Marvelous Monday, which is what you on, you're on tonight. It's covering throughout East Texas, throughout Texas, and in other parts of the world, actually, that we are, um, we're broadcast live here on every Monday night. So, um, so that's who you've been speaking with and speaking to. And so I I have one question that I I really uh, want to ask you. We didn't get a chance to ask all the questions that we wanted to tonight uh, because we had a lot of them. But one of the things that I'm always uh, concerned about, uh, senior citizens, our our mature uh, Americans and the things that they're really needing. And we see and hear every single day that our senior Americans and our veterans uh, are, are needing health care. And we, we, you guys did an amazing job in talking about health care tonight. But but my question to you quickly is, would you cut any of the social services that our senior Americans uh, are getting right now, if it meant uh, lower uh, taxes or would you pay higher taxes to make sure that all of these things that our seniors need and veterans that would you mind paying higher taxes for them in order to receive those services so that so it, we're talking lower taxes and cutting some of the programs or higher taxes and making sure that veterans and senior citizens get the uh, get, get the uh, things that they need in their lives
0: go ahead so so let me let me answer this. And this is the reason East Texas need to vote for JJ. Number one, we don't have to do either, right? We have a budget. We can stay within our budget without putting oppressive taxes on the people. Now, the problem with Social Security, and it's scheduled to go it by 2033, is it's an unprotected trust. Every time crooked politicians want to stick their hand in it, they never put back the compound interest that it was supposed to yield to the people who paid into it. That's the number one problem. So you have attorney generals in 50 states with their child support programs being paid reimbursement. See, the child support program from 1983, they're robbing Social Security, and the job But the Treasury is supposed to protect it from predatory practices from state governments. So one of the things I spoke with Joe Jaworski and everybody who's running for attorney general, what are you going to do about the theft that's happening and the oppression that's happening through the attorney general's office? Because that is a huge problem. Our seniors paid for those benefits, and right now we have people getting it that should not get it. So we're going to solve that problem because it's out of the executive branch. Number two, the veterans. We don't have to raise taxes. Why? We're trying to go to Ukraine, and we're trying to support them. But I heard a story in Pittsburgh. It was like 11 o'clock. I was coming through uh, uh, up from uh, Gilmer to, the, I think I went to, uh, of Mount Vernon to Mount Pleasant, and then I went down to Dangerfield. And I walked into, I was thought I was in Dangerfield, I walked into a a store, it's a uh, subway because we were hungry, and I walked in and I said, Dangerfield, JJ has came, and I'm here to make sure we get a good change going on. They said, that was a good speech, but you in Pittsburgh, you need to try again. I said, oh, my goodness, I started it over. And, and the gentleman, the gentleman who was a veteran, the gentleman who was a veteran, he said, you know what, I love your energy. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, I'm a Republican. He said, if we vote for you, I don't care about if you're Democrat or Republican. We are voting for the person, or you going to be corrupt like the rest of them, because every last one in there right now ain't no good. I said, my grandma raised me better than that, and my father's in prison, and I came from nothing. I have nothing. I'm struggling to keep my head above the waters just like everybody else. I'm fighting and I'm enduring for us so that my 8-year-old son, he don't have to worry about being in a situation in a world that we should have built the kingdom of heaven already. As far as our veterans, he told me a story that a man in a wheelchair, he was a veteran, he he served, and he had a, a funeral home. But the man without any legs rolled up to his front row, and he said that, hey, would you like to come in? He said, no, I'll just go by the shade tree. And he said, well, I'll be back in 20 minutes. Just relax. And he said, I always take care of people and do what I can. He said it wasn't five minutes until he left that his daughter called him hysterically, saying, father, father, come back. He said, when I got there, J.J., the man had blew his brains out. And before he blew his brains out, he laid his VA card, and all of his identification on the ground. And a letter he wrote, he said, the VA told me they have no place for me. So he did the best thing that he feel he could do. He ended his life because of the pressure. And we got to stop this. We got money for wars to drop on people's houses instead of put food on people's tables. We have to stop promoting war and promote what the Constitution says, science. And the best part of science is to know and to know to do the right thing. So yes, I will not be advocating for war, but I will be advocating to prepare to defend our country and that means taking care of our veterans and our seniors and our children and ourselves. A well-educated society don't make for good slaves. And we have to stop people who don't know about East Texas from coming in here like Greg Abbott telling us what to do. We need to make sure that if you come up in here, I had a sheriff in Texas County told me right now he don't think every American should vote if they're a felon. I said, that's good that you don't love the Constitution like I do because it said every citizen has the right to vote. So we're going to make sure that we sue. We put in rid of Davis. Right into the court system As a sitting member of Congress Because Congress is full of lawyers And none of them know the law Just like we have a huge problem in our community With the division in the churches We should not be where we are today But you know what Voting for JJ I may not can solve everything But I'll at least lay that first brick To the gold road towards the East Texas dream <laughs> <laughs> That's good, That's That's good. good
2: does anybody have any questions for um, jamar j j Jefferson uh, who's running for United States Congress in district one
5: I have a question
2: okay go right ahead identify so i'm
5: Steve I'm Stephen Coson I'm also running for Congress okay. and uh, I didn't well, have you, oh, I, I didn't ready. have your yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. you're going to get an opportunity to speak. Thank you for coming in, because I didn't know if everybody got the message or not. But go yeah, go I got ahead the message. I just yeah.
5: couldn't text you. Uh, just okay. on what JJ, I'll, I'll let you shut me off later. But just on what JJ yeah. said, uh, I agree with a lot of what he said. When uh, we should allow people to vote, I think we need to help uh, our senior citizens. I think uh, I agree with him on uh, if we need to raise taxes to pay for the social services, then we should do it. I think we should get the people who don't pay their taxes, the corporations, the Amazons, the Apples of the world who are paying zero uh, to pay in. I think the rich people, the uh, uh, investment managers, and all these people that pay at a much lower percentage than uh, regular people, I pay 28% taxes. And uh, the people who are making billions of dollars pay maybe 15 if they pay anything at all. And if we would all pay in our fair share, then we wouldn't have to raise taxes on everybody. But... uh, I'm all for raising taxes on people who make over $400,000 or at least getting the people who aren't paying their fair share to pay that.
0: Hold on. Let me say something. Can I say this? Please let me say this. I do not agree that we should be raising taxes on nobody. Everybody should pay equal taxes to the court to the, the to the amount that they make. Now the biggest problem that we need to talk about is the fourteenth Amendment, equal protection under the law. We have people operating out of trust. We have people in the district of um Uh, Delaware. That's why all the corporations, the old money, the Rockefellers, they have all I've read through all of their insurance laws because I've been suing Uber for a long time, right? For When I used to work for them because I got blackballed in California because I'm so caring about making sure that everyone gets what they need. But Delaware is the enemy to the rest of America because of their policies. Right? People, rich people, they're coming through different um, the Caribbean, the offshores, into Delaware, and they get all kinds of protections that Americans don't. We need to make sure that the IRS code is equally distributed among everybody who files their taxes. We need to be talking about the same tax breaks for families as corporations and then you'll see everybody paying their fair share but as long as corporations are buying politicians and we can't flank them, we'll continue to have massive poverty while people are buying $100 million yachts and we can't even pay our electricity bill.
2: Okay. Now, Let's go back to Mr. Coton and let him introduce himself, uh, just as JJ had the opportunity to do that. And then you can give us a little bit more about your platform. Because I, I was really interested in that, that tax thing, and I did understand that uh, Mr. Jefferson was saying he did not want to raise taxes. And, and of course, I'm getting text messages and people are saying, well, we actually run our country on taxes. That's how that money that we're talking about that the government has, that's where we get that money from is, is us, by us paying our taxes. So the question was, and then, Mr. Costa, you may be able to uh, talk on that a little bit more as well, and I said, would you cut social services for older or senior Americans if it meant lower taxes, or would you pay higher taxes to provide them? And you heard Mr. Jefferson talking about these veterans, and I hear this every single day of veterans who are not getting health care because perhaps maybe they didn't serve 20 years like I serve, and I have my health care that's taken care of because I served 20 years. But there are some veterans who served two years, some who served four years and up, and they may not get that. Uh, health care that some of us who retired out of the military get that health care. So go ahead, Mr. Kostin, and, and, and present uh, so, who you are, okay. and then you can dialogue a little bit on that. Please, sir. Thank All you. All right.
5: So uh, my name is Stephen Kostin. I'm running for Congress in District 1. I'm a lifelong Texan. Uh, my priorities are what we can do to uh, harden our infrastructure to deal with the climate change that's happening. Uh, I am uh, want to defend women's rights, and I want to defend voting rights. Uh, And I have lots of plans, and maybe I'll get into that, but let me answer your question. And I also want to thank you, Dr. McKellar and Liberty Baptist Church, for hosting us earlier. Um, So I would – I don't think we need to raise taxes to pay for the social services. I do not think we should cut social services to give people a tax break. I think that's a terrible idea uh, because you end up hurting people and giving people who – many of which don't need the tax break, uh, the tax break. Millionaires don't need an extra $50,000, but somebody's grandma definitely needs to have her health care, right? And so I think we, uh, I would be open to, uh, I don't know if if we need to raise taxes. I'm not a big fan of raising taxes either, but we need to get the people who are not paying their taxes to pay their taxes, right? If we had uh, the businesses pay their taxes, if we had, the people that are getting the $100 million yachts to pay their taxes, then we wouldn't have to raise prices. We could provide much better health care to more people. Uh, the inequity of the way our Congress works is that uh, they give tax breaks to people who then turn around and give that money to them for, so they'll vote, uh, so they'll run again. And so it gets to be this evil cycle of uh, senators and congressmen and such who are making money who are getting staying in office because they're allowing rich people to have money. The T- Trump tax break gave most of the money to the highest end. Uh, when Clinton was in office, he gave a tax break across the board, and that allowed more people to have more money to take home, and that helped people out. But giving rich people more money doesn't help. Uh, what they say is that if you give a, a rich person uh, an extra dollar, it creates 39 cents in GDP. If you give a poor person that same dollar, it creates a dollar seventy nine in GDP because so the poor person has to spend it. The rich person might be yeah. saying, well here's some dollars that I can throw towards my yacht or a painting or a new fancy car or whatever, but a poor person's paying their housing they're paying their for food they're hopefully paying for maybe education if they can get it so they can have a better life or their children can have a better life so I don't think it's a question about uh, whether we're going to uh, Take money out of social services to give people tax breaks. It's how do we provide social services and possibly more social services without without but uh, but, but collect the money from uh, the people who are currently not paying their taxes. Now a little a little bit about me. Um, tomorrow's primary election day. This may be the most important election of our lifetimes. You know, do we succumb to the Republicans who are taking away women's rights? And give those? uh, uh, Do we give in to those who are uh, restricting voting to fewer and fewer people? Do we give in to those who are doing nothing to prevent climate disasters and making money off our suffering? No, we get out and vote. We need to change this. This is a democracy. We had this discussion earlier. And while we are a republic, we are run as a democracy where your vote counts.
6: Right. Right.
5: And it is important. It is critically important for us to stand, take a stand, and vote, vote out the people you don't like, vote in the people you do like, the people who will help uh, all the people. What I tend to see is those are mostly Democrats because the Republicans over the last five years have not offered one positive thing for people. The only decent thing that came out of the last uh, administration was that they were able to help us get uh, vaccinations for COVID. And then they denied them. And then they told their people not to get them or to not mask or do everything they could do to keep the suffering going. And what they needed to do is come out and all join together so we could overcome COVID. But we've been with it for three years. If we're lucky, it's going to become endemic like the flu and it won't be killing people, but it killed over 900,000 people in America. And so if we would have a singular message of everybody who is for the people, then we could get through COVID and we could do many other things. You know, I say it's time to take a stand and join together as Americans and in one voice say we will not give in. We will not stand by while people desecrate our country in the name of money and power. We the people must stand up to the bullies who are lying to us at every turn, and we must vote them out of office and restore America to the greatness that it's always been democratic, compassionate, and free. That's why we need compassion in our elected <laughs> officials. We need a compassion in our government because it's we the people. It's not we the government. And so right. uh, I'll get off my soapbox for a moment.
6: <laughs> and, I pre-
5: and I appreciate you letting me uh, say my piece. Uh, but I think that we can join together as a country and Be successful in this next century. You know, Abraham Lincoln said a house divided cannot stand, and we are a divided house, and we need to unite as a country, and that takes both sides. You can't just have one side saying let's unite and the other side saying no, and that's what we see happening every day. Thank you.
2: Very good. Thank you so much for that. That was outstanding from both of you guys. And uh, I'm gonna. Uh, we have a very very special guest that's going to be coming in, uh, Mr. Jay Clagberg. That's going to be talking to us. He's also running uh, for public office. So we're gonna bring him in and uh, in, in just a couple of seconds because he is our star person for tonight. And we're gonna allow him the next thirty forty minutes to talk about his campaign. But I want you gentlemen to stay around because I actually have, and I want you to think about. Of uh, this question, because i I heard um, Mr. Jefferson uh, talk about uh, people having difficulties in keeping their head above water, and so I, I, I want to talk about um, how how can you define uh, success uh, because we we hear about all these wealthy people in Amazons of the world, the Walmarts of the world, and all these people who are making massive amounts of money and paying very little taxes and and then we hear about people and we see these people every single day who's having difficulties in keeping their head above water so we want I want to talk about a little bit about uh, uh, success and and how how do you measure uh, success. But let's bring in Jay first and let him introduce himself and tell us all about uh, his campaign and what he's running for. He's running for something very, very interesting and if you stop and think about it, uh, it doesn't sound like what it really is, and so we're going to allow him that. But I'm going to also ask you, each one of you, to mute your phones so that – and then when you get ready to speak and when I call your name, then you can unmute and then come back in, and then that way we don't hear the background noise. Jay, would you come in and introduce yourself and tell us what you're running for and uh, just give us a little background of who you are and where you're located. Thank you.
7: Sure. Dr. McKellar, can you hear me okay? Okay.
2: Yes, sir, we can hear you great, and thank you so much for being with us tonight.
7: Great. Yeah, thank you. I don't know about STAR. I've got two uh, local uh, candidates on that I may be third billing to, uh, but I appreciate you giving me me time on the show tonight. Uh, Jay Clayberg, and I'm a candidate for Texas Land Commissioner. And if you'd allow me, I can just start very briefly by telling you what the General Land Office is, if that would be helpful.
2: Oh, please, we absolutely want you to tell people, the listeners out there, just exactly what that position is about and what And, and this is your opportunity because actually you are our key guest. I just wanted to bring those gentlemen in because they were there at the debate tonight, and so we wanted to give them a little bit more opportunity to for the people to hear them as well. But take as much time as you need. Thank you.
7: Absolutely. Well, no, it was great to hear from them and uh, believe that, that the three of us might have been together in the first part of January, touring uh, Tyler down to Palestine with a number of um, uh, candidates on the ballot. So it's good to, to see them and hear from them, I guess, again. Uh, but the, the general land office is the oldest state agency in Texas. Uh, it, it was actually uh, formed before we even uh, thought of uh, putting the, the governor's office into the, the Constitution. So it's an independent constitutional office. Uh, it oversees today 13 million acres of public lands and about uh, six million of those public lands are in uh, mineral estate, mostly in the Permian Basin. Another four million of that is in submerged lands from the coastline out 10 miles. So anything that touches the seafloor is under the purview of the the general land office and another uh, couple of million acres in what are called upland uh, acreage in uh, mostly the Big Bend region, kind of in that Brewster County uh, area, southeast of El Paso, uh, south of of the Fort Stockton area. And what the general land office does with all of that acreage is it generates about a billion dollars a year for public education. And the founders of uh, the state of Texas uh, knew that we needed some source of revenue for public education, that education was a a, uh, cornerstone of uh, the republic at that time in 1836. And so it started out with 22 million acres. Uh, Today it's 13 million acres. But it has always had the mission of generating funds uh, for what's called the Permanent School Fund, which is a $50 billion endowment which ultimately provides funds for uh, mostly textbooks and technology uh, for K through 12 classrooms, uh, public schools in the state of Texas. In addition to that, in Tyler specifically, there's a veteran's home. Uh, There are nine of those veteran's homes uh, that are responsibility of the general land office around the state of of Texas, uh, in the Rio Grande Valley and Colleen out in El Paso. uh, And in addition to those veterans' homes, four Texas veteran cemeteries, and then a what's called the Veterans Land Board and a loan program specifically for Texas veterans to uh, acquire land and homes and uh, improve their homes. It was a, uh, originally started in the wake of World War II. We had uh, Texas veterans returning from the war. We wanted them to be able to afford land, and so started this program. And it provides services to about 7,000 veterans a year. And as as you probably know, there are about 1.4 million veterans in the state of Texas. And so part of what I would like to do as land commissioner is ensure that more veterans are taking advantage of uh, these programs. It also oversees the Alamo and uh, the re-envisioning of the plaza and the grounds around Uh, the Alamo in concert with the city and and county officials and uh, members of the San Antonio community so that that place is reflective of the rich history of Texas, uh, that it's reflective of um, events like the desegregation of uh, the lunch counter at the Woolworths Building across the street from the Alamo in March of 1960, which then kicked off desegregation of number of businesses there in the san antonio community at that time and so making sure that not only are we telling the story of uh, the battle of 1836 but uh, the thousands of years that led up to that time period and modern history uh, that we should all be be proud of and then the last component and there are actually a lot of things that it does but these are kind of the major pieces the last thing that it does uh, is it oversees federal disaster relief funds that come into the state of Texas in the wake of a presidentially declared natural disaster. So that could be a uh, flood, it could be a hurricane, tornado, wildfire, and today that's about $14 billion worth of uh, FEMA and HUD, uh, what are called HUD, CDBG, Community Development Block Grant uh, funds for both disaster relief and for mitigation investments. And this is $14 billion worth of funding uh, that in many cases has backlogged uh, almost 10 years. And so if you've you've read the news uh, over the last 12 months or so, the city of Houston and uh, Harris County have yet to receive any funding uh, through the general land office of these federal disaster relief funds in the wake of Hurricane Harvey. And as you probably know, there were 3 trillion gallons of water that Mm -hmm. fell upon that area that uh that those whose lives uh, depend on this funding those who can least afford uh, the impacts of the next natural disaster of which we've had four 500 year uh hurricanes in the last six years uh that the general land office has got to uh, do its job so that's that's kind of an overview of the of the office itself
2: outstanding so has this Particular position always been an elected one. Many people have called us, reached out to us, and say, "I'm I'm not really familiar uh, with the uh, land um, uh, land commissioner's uh, position. Was it ever an appointed position, or has it always been an elected uh, position?"
7: To, to my knowledge, so the, the first, and I only found this out uh, in the last eight months, but the very first. Land Commissioner uh, in in eighteen thirty six uh, during during that time period was one of my ancestors. His last name was Claiborne wow. as well. Uh, my great great grandfather and my, I think that that first position was probably appointed, but thereafter okay. it has always been an elected position. Although to your uh, to to those who have questioned you about this uh, to their point it feels like it is one that is appointed because it's they're very specific responsibilities Um, what what I say is that I would prefer that a Democrat have a chance at winning this office so that it is not politicized does that you have um, an opportunity to do the job and to make sure that Texans from all walks of life benefit from uh, its ability to fund public education and support Texas veterans and get disaster relief into communities when it's needed, not uh, in in years but in months. That if it weren't an elected position, then in the last uh, you know 20 years, and and uh, if we don't have uh, a democratic governor, that that they would be you know appointed uh, Republicans to this position. So from my perspective, it's a good thing that it's an elected position because I believe that. With all of the things that I've talked about, land, and we haven't got into some of the issues that I think we should be focusing on in this particular office, but those things that we just talked about, land and water and veterans and school children and resiliency, those are not polarizing. They are not – they are are things that in a time, as the uh, two candidates just mentioned in in how they characterize their races – we have got to We've find got to common ground. We, we have to uh, move forward together somehow. Uh, as, as was mentioned earlier, a house divided cannot stand. And so this particular office, you know, in, in traveling around the state in East Texas and even in places like uh, Post uh, in, in the Lubbock area or down in, in Presidio, that – People, you know, can actually carry on a conversation about those particular topics. We may not agree on, you know, three out of ten things, but we can at least agree on, uh, you know, seven and some of the things that are underneath this office. And so, I believe that this is an office that is at the statewide level that people see is very particular. Uh, that you need someone who's qualified to run it. And if you do have someone who's qualified to run it, who cares about our environment, who has 20 years of experience in land and water and wildlife and natural resource management and conservation experience, who just wants to do the job, who's also thinking about climate change, who's also thinking about investing our communities in resiliency and what we really need to be doing because the last 20 years have been wasted in the ability to invest in Uh, combating and fortifying uh, ourselves against climate change, and we are the number one CO2 emitter in the nation. So we are to blame for this. It is not as if uh, we are an innocent bystander. We are the number one CO2 emitter in the nation. We lead the nation in billion-dollar natural disasters. We will see the doubling of 100-degree days in the next 10 years in Texas alone. We all went through the freeze. If you live on the coast, you've gone through a hurricane in the last four or five years that has been unprecedented. December in Texas in 2021, this last December was the hottest December on record. So if you don't think that we have a problem, if you don't think that we need to be investing in our future and that we have got to follow the science behind climate change and that it's not just about diversifying our our energy portfolio, it's not just about carbon sequestration and educating our kids and making sure that we have good public schools but that if we don't do this if we don't lead in the future of uh, climate change and a low emission future of clean energy and all of these things that the state of Texas will fall behind and all that we love about the state as we double our population by 2050 everything that we love is at risk and and I think this is a particular position that gives us the opportunity to talk about these things in a very you know these are stark facts, but we we should be talking about these things as an opportunity to get ahead of it and to take responsibility uh, for um, what part of what we have created, and as Texans always do, say, well what what can we do about this and band together uh, to create a brighter future for for all of us
2: Brilliant, so Jay, let me ask you this question so what what did you see? Uh, that was happening or that was not happening um, that caused you to want to run for this seat uh, in Texas. And I've learned so much uh, within the last few minutes just listening to you. I'm just absorbing, just like a mushroom, absorbing all of this great information uh, that you've given to us uh, tonight. But what what did you see that this person who's holding this position right now was not doing uh, for the great state of Texas?
7: Yeah, and I'll I'll start out with with some very personal uh, examples. So I was associate director for Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation for about eight years. And during that uh, period, we raised about $100 million for conservation in the state of Texas. We did the largest land transaction for conservation purposes in Texas history. We did that with a lot of funds that came out of the settlement dollars from Deepwater Horizon, the BP oil spill. And we even bought land from the General Land Office along the Texas coast to make sure that it was conserved in perpetuity. And we had the opportunity to do the same thing uh, with about 40,000 acres of General Land Office land out in West Texas that was adjacent to Big Bend National Park that they had the opportunity to add to the publicly accessible portfolio. So that 13 million acres of public land that I mentioned is underneath the purview of the general land office is not necessarily open to the general public. The purpose for it is to generate funds for the permanent school fund, not necessarily for recreation. Okay, And so they have the opportunity to provide 40,000 acres to um, public access in a state where it's been reported out of uh, a, a public policy shop called Texas 2036 out of Dallas, that we need half a million acres added to our public lands inventory over the next 25 years to keep up with uh, the population growth. And maybe you don't see this in East Texas, but certainly in the urban areas, if you tried to get to an open space or a park um, during the the pandemic, it was nearly impossible. There's a huge demand for uh, public space. So I saw the general land office choose profits over people and the environment in that particular case. And then the work that I've been doing in conservation and I've been doing um, environmental film work, I was 100 miles off the Texas coast, off the coast of Galveston, at a, a place called the Flower Gardens National Marine Sanctuary. It's just outside of Texas waters. It's the westernmost coral reef in the United States. President Obama initiated the expansion of this National Marine Sanctuary uh, during his term, and then ultimately it was expanded by seven times uh, to this amazing um, field of coral reefs off the Texas coast. Um, And I was there uh, doing some filming for a film that will come out in June that's very much like a planet Earth for Texas. Uh, And what I noticed when I was there was coral bleaching, and it wasn't coral bleaching that you may have heard about or read about um due to the warming of sea temp of seawater it was actually in uh, the floods that we had a number of years ago and all of that water that came off of the texas coast it pushed its way out 100 miles on top of these coral reefs and caused them to die not all of them but part of them and that event uh, would not have happened if not for climate change. We are just seeing the extremities of weather patterns. We have a deluge of water followed by severe drought. We're going to continue to see that. Uh, we have extreme temperature changes like we saw in February of last year with uh, URI. And we're probably going to see, uh, as I explained, some you know warming temperatures over the next decade or so. And so Through all of that work, what I realized was that the things that I were doing uh, were drops in the bucket compared to what we really need to be doing at a very large scale, uh, which is, in my opinion, our generation's uh, greatest uh, challenge, which is how do we figure out uh, how to combat and live in a world uh, where our climate is truly changing. And the General Land Office um, has really not been – uh, open to the science behind it. And so what that does is whether you're a Democrat or Republican or independent is we are investing about $30 billion in the Texas coast of what's called the coastal spine. And if you've heard about Ike Dyke, that's part of it. Well, the science on which that is based and the general land office and the Army Corps of Engineers are partners in the study for that $30 billion investment, which will take 20 years. The science on which that is based is the last 100 years of weather patterns, not based on modeling that predicts the next 100 years of weather patterns. So essentially what you are doing is you're investing $30 billion that's going to take uh, 20 years uh, to uh, complete that infrastructure, and it will be obsolete on arrival. And so rather than waste those dollars and waste the investments that we're making in the fortification of our coastline and investments in our uh, energy portfolio and in education and being um, wide-eyed and factual about how we see the future because we just don't want to say the words climate change, uh, that that to me is, is a lack of leadership. And that we've got to have people at the state level that are talking about this and implementing plans with that in mind, because if you look at the cities, Houston and San Antonio and Austin and others, and I don't mean to to point those out and not the rural areas, but it's for this particular point, the plans that they have for the future are to be carbon neutral by 2040, and they're not doing that just because it's a PR stunt. They're doing it because they realize that for air quality and water quality and quality of life and making sure that they grow Uh, uh, in a healthy way. They've got to plan for the future, and we just are not doing that at the state level.
2: Right. Okay, so then do you believe in, uh, or do you embrace, I should say, uh, um, greenhouse building uh, that um, the architects, some of the architects are are really big uh, in that right now. Is that something that you think uh, has anything to do with our climate and the way uh things are as far as climate change is concerned what we the products and things that we're building uh houses homes buildings uh with right now
7: Yeah, you're talking about things like lead certification as an example.
2: Correct. Exactly, correct.
7: Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, I mean the, a good example of this is we have the technology to essentially make a building, a commercial building, uh, net zero in terms of its water consumption. And what I mean by that is that it can actually catch water and it can utilize condensate from the HVAC, the air conditioning system, so that the water that it's using in restrooms, for instance, and water faucets and everything else, uh, that it's all-encompassing. It's essentially a self-sustaining building, if you will. Sure. Zero zero footprint, zero water footprint. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, you throw wind and solar, and to a large degree, and you could take this down to the, the housing level, to a large degree, you can have um, lower um, emission, you can have lower footprint, um, you mm-hmm. can have lower cost, lower utility cost, both commercial and residential buildings. Um, We're even printing buildings in the city of Austin. Now there's a company uh, that a friend of mine has has helped start that's using 3D printing technology to print houses. And they're doing this uh, in Central America. They're doing this for the military. And if you can imagine the cost of something like that, it's something like $60,000 a home. And you can you can finish a home in days, not in months. And so mm-hmm. we have all of this technology. And so to your point, uh, let's unleash it. Let's get behind this stuff because think about what we have in the state of Texas. We've got 174 million acres of land.
6: Yes. We have
7: wind. We have uh, a, a, a tremendous number of sunny days. We've got the ability so to transfer our um, energy production and uh, diversify that portfolio, not to say that we're going to completely get away from fossil fuels, but we have got to expand our options. And that's not just solar. We're number two in solar. We're number one, number one in wind. But we should mm-hmm. be in, uh, investing in geothermal. And that's not yeah. just out in West Texas, but there's geothermal opportunities. As you all know, there in East Texas. Um, and even in South Texas. So there are all of these options on the table, and it's not necessarily that the general land office is going to solve all of these problems, but it can be a platform at the state level with a statewide office who is promoting these um, opportunities and saying, look, there are jobs in the future of a low emission economy, but we've got to get behind it and we've got to start investing in it. And it's not an either or in terms of fossil fuels or renewables. It's an and both. Uh, We have got to put all the options on the table because we have, in my opinion, the next 10, if that, to 20 years to lead the nation and the world in what the energy transition looks like. And we can do it. We are putting rockets uh, and humans into space out of Boca Chica and in West Texas. Um, We've got the uh, Tesla factory being built here, one of the largest uh, manufacturing facilities in the nation here just outside of Austin. Uh, we're, we're doing these things on a, on a very large scale, uh, and, and I know that we could continue to do that. And, again, if we don't, I do believe that, um, that we'll fall behind if we're, if we're not um, proactive about it.
2: Very good, very good. I'm going to bring back in, I'm going to bring uh, a Pastor uh, Cooper in as well as uh, a Dr. Hagney. They may have some some questions of you. I, I've been just uh, mesmerized over all the uh, the information that you've presented out there to us. And I've learned so much with just in the last 30 minutes of uh, just listening to you. And um, so I'm, I'm really impressed because a lot of people don't even stop to think about uh, the Land Commissioner. You know, you hear about all these other uh, offices, but we don't put enough focus, in my opinion, uh, on um, on on our land and our resources and all the beautiful things that we have to offer here in Texas. Uh, and so I appreciate the fact that you're running for that office. Uh, Dr. Hagney, I don't know if you have a question uh, for uh, Jay, but if you do, go ahead, and then we're going to bring in uh, Pastor Cooper after that.
4: Yes, very good. Excellent. 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 Being from a rural area, I definitely relate to land use. Uh, in the area of health care, um, I mentioned in our task force hubs, my task force groups, uh, there is an area environmental that we really need to uh, uh, really expand. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question about environmental health as it relates to, uh, to a certain rural areas. Uh, are we really, uh, what are your opinion about that, and, and particularly as it relates to uh, some of our uh, underserved communities, uh, the issue, health issues, relates to bio and, and climate issues?
7: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and there are a couple of things that I would, would focus on there. I mean, we, we know um, from science and health studies that access to the, out, just having access to the outdoors uh, creates happier, healthier children and adults. Uh, that we need that exposure uh, to the outdoors, and in East Texas you've got um, a, a number of areas, especially down uh, in and around the Tyler area, um, where you 've got protected open space and so part of what the the land office should be doing is promoting more um, of those open spaces because when you think about land uh, as a source, of uh, water quality and air quality, that we've got to have more open space. It's it's a key indicator uh, for wildlife habitat. Land fragmentation is the, the greatest threat to um, to wildlife habitat in the state of Texas. And then even with working lands, we're we're losing a couple of hundred thousand acres of working lands in the state of Texas. And one of the the issues that I've been focused on after having a discussion with Congresswoman. Sheila Jackson Lee and uh, Councilman um, or Commissioner Rodney Ellis in Houston, and because they asked me, what can you do for uh, minority farmers, uh, especially in East Texas? And, and two particular issues uh, that, that I focused on. One is that uh, if you've read the news in the last six months, Sid Miller, who's the Ag Commissioner, has sued the USDA for roughly $4 billion worth of debt relief funds for black farmers uh, in the United States uh, because historically they have not had access to um, federal funds, uh, federal programs, so the USDA and NRCS. And that Sid Miller uh, has essentially prevented those funds from coming into the state of Texas. And so what I propose to them is just as, disaster relief funds are the responsibility of the general land office which don't necessarily have uh, much to do with land but it is a federal program that I would look as land commissioner at pulling those funds that are rightfully part of what Texas should be doing for uh, minority uh, farmers and ranchers to help them uh, keep that land in uh, in working order uh, that we bring those to the General Land Office. And then the other thing is is that I understand, especially there in East Texas and Freestone County is an example, uh, that you we have got to uh, address air land, H-E-I-R, uh, and provide mm-hmm. clear title to landowners because if you don't have clear title, then you can't get a loan from the bank. If you don't have clear title, you can't get uh, access to governmental programs that help you uh, to to uh, continue to work that land, and so these uh-huh. may be some things that uh, might be slightly outside of the purview of the General Land Office, but they still, you know, the, the General Land Office had what was called the Farm and Ranch Lands Conservation Program, and it helped to acquire conservation easements uh, from working landowners in the state of Texas, That got moved Mm -hmm. out into Parks and Wildlife um, a number of years Mm -hmm. ago. But it has the opportunity to do those kinds of things so that we can protect rural lands. Uh, They remain in private hands, but that we help promote that because we are losing them at a a very fast rate. And if we don't have that, then we lose quality of life, and we ultimately lose uh, our quality of health. And that's adults and, and children. And that's not just physical health. It's mental health as well.
4: That's excellent. That's excellent. excellent. I'm involved with a lot of landowner groups here in East Texas. You're exactly right. I'm familiar with those discussion because that's a way of life for a lot of people in East Texas. And then you talk about economy and economics and, and ownership and all those areas and that money that's frozen up. Uh that's I'm I'm very excited you said that and I'm very yeah. impressed with your knowledge about that and also with Sheila and the guys yeah. involved with that Rodney Quest. It's right on target that's that's the heart of east Texas. that's East
2: texas okay, exactly and and let me just share this with you uh jay that we we're all uh, members of the black farmers association and we've been working yes. so closely for years on trying to uh, to get the um, the do that black farmers deserve, all of our family members, Dr. his family, Dr. Owned land, and we're farmers. Our family members were actually long-time farmers here in East Texas. So um, so I really appreciate um, all of the information that you're giving us tonight. Uh, Pastor Cooper, yeah. would you like to come in, uh, please, sir?
3: Yes, absolutely. First of all, uh, Dr. McKellar, again, uh, congratulations on uh, your Hall of Fame uh, Induction, uh, hats off Thank to you. you. Thank you so much for your work. The mm-hmm. other thing is, uh, because of that work, uh, we have the platform that you uh, give here tonight. You know, I've been on a road with Jay, and I've heard his stump speech, and I was like, okay, he's another land commission guy, you know. But it's this platform that you open up tonight, even with the congressional candidates, uh, you get to see w- who they really are. So uh, I hope that all the people that in East Texas that was, has been following the trail, listening to the yeah. show so they can really get to know these candidates. So with that being said, Jay, I have a question. Uh, two parts. First part is, you said multiple uses for uh, uh, energy uh, in the state of Texas. Uh, what about solar? I understand that it's expensive to store solar energy. Uh, what do you know about that? And then also, what can you do in the Land com- uh, Commission offices uh, to assist in education? You know, that's my major platform. If you could. Uh, Deal with both those questions.
7: Love it, and uh, g- good to hear your voice again. It's it's been a little while. Uh, yes, since we were both together there in, in East Texas. Uh, so so thank you for for the question. So you know, uh, I was traveling from Midland, Odessa down to Fort Stockton about a month ago, and there's a ten thousand acre solar farm there, and I think that part of the reason why it's on that road from um extra county down to to the fort stockton area is it's close to some major transmission lines to your point about uh storage so they can get that energy quickly into the into the transmission line and then uh, you know obviously renewable energy or any energy as it travels long distances it loses uh some of that energy along the way but i think that the cost of uh of the installation of solar is going down and i think that we are starting to uh, see technology that allows us to to store it as well. But I do think that one of the uh, – if there's a hindrance at all on large-scale uh, commercial storage, it is that ability to, to um, uh, store that energy. And so you've got to have it in many cases. If it's not uh, within a few miles of a um, the residential population, that you've got to have that farm close enough to – uh, a transmission line to get it into the into the grid quickly. so that that's a good point. Uh, but I do think that what it allows you to do is uh, you know if we had a couple of things, if I was talking to the Chief Scientist for the Nature Conservancy. She's also a Chief Climate scientist uh, who's written some books about how to cl- talk about climate change uh, to the general public. She's been on the late night talk shows, and she's written a book and she actually is at Texas Tech University, so you can imagine what it's like to talk about climate change up in the Lubbock area full-time. Uh, and what she said is is that the state of Texas, if you imagine that we had a 100-square-mile area, uh, which we do, obviously, uh, but if you put in that 100-square-mile area uh, solar on an industrial scale, there's enough energy produced there to power the United States. And so I'm not advocating that we – set aside a 100-square-mile area uh, and and put solar on it. But I do think that we're heading in that direction where we have amassed um, the uh, supply to be able to help uh, that when we do have the need for diversification of our grid, that we've got to strengthen it beyond just fossil fuels and we've got to do that uh, to benefit our environment, that we can do that. On the education piece, we've got a cap right now um, Six hundred million dollars that the general land office sends to the permanent school fund, and there's also a diversion that the general land office has been doing under the auspices of uh, or under the the management of George P. Bush, who's vacating that office as you all know it's an open seat uh, he's running for attorney general that uh, they've been and I know this because I talked to a state board of education director here about two uh, two or three days ago from the Valley is that they've been diverting those funds around uh, the State Board of Education uh, and around the Permanent School Fund so that the legislature can use some of those funds to balance the budget, which is not the intended use constitutionally as it was established in 1836. And so what I would do is two things. I would make sure that we lift the cap. On that six hundred million, so that we're generating a billion dollars a year in revenue off that thirteen million acres of land. So all of it's going to the permanent school fund, which is where it was intended, and that there is no diversion of those funds for any other use than public education. Uh, so th- those are some things that that we could do in that office for for education.
2: All right, thank you for that. Great, yeah, outstanding. I think Mr. Arthur is on, and I'm sure that he has a question for Jay as well. Mr. Arthur, are you there? And he indicated that he's on, but for some reason his line is not opening up as well. probably having the same issues that Mr. Jay Day had early on. Um, hmm, I hate that <laughs> because I know he, he sent me a text that, Mr. Arthur, are you there? I unmute your phone if you are and try to come in. Miss Rihanna is not on with us tonight. I don't know what time she may be coming in. So, um, so for some reason his line is not allowing him to come in and speak. And Dave, Mr. Arthur Fleming is as. Uh Another one of our hosts on this show tonight He's also a co-host So uh, I know he's wanting to ask you something And he can also text me Whatever question that he'd like to ask of you um, I, want to, uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, And this, this of course is not a, a question necessarily That has to do with, with land and land commissioner And just, it's, just, it's just talking about life In general, and that's uh, war. We talked about uh, uh, this quite a bit with our federal candidates uh, tonight in regards to what's going on in Ukraine. And of course, all of us have been listening. Is that you, Mr. Arthur? Okay, and all of us have been listening and following what's actually going on there. And so, uh, Mr. JJ, I don't know if he's still on or not, uh, but uh, but he, what his message was, and along with I think of maybe one of our other uh, candidates tonight, and wanted to see that we don't use money and utilize money uh, uh, that uh, that we have here in Texas to send. Across uh, the big pond to uh, the Ukrainians and other people who are uh, engaging in a war that's actually happening right now, we're we're prayerful that uh, that this thing will end with uh, people sitting down and dialoguing and talking and and working things out. But what but I what I want to um, what I want to okay, let me read this. Uh, Mr. Arthur says, black farmers, black veterans. Farming opportunities. How can you help? And so let's let's go and answer that first before we go and t- and talk a little bit about uh, Ukraine. We can talk about Ukraine for the last thirty minutes or so. But but that's the question that Mr. Arthur has for you, uh, Jay, in, in regards to the black farmers and the black veterans, uh, black black veterans who are also farm- farmers. The opportunities that they so richly deserved what can you do to help uh, them to uh, to get those opportunities when you become elected into that position
7: yeah what, what i would add to what I, what i said before about you know trying to clear title um on air land i think that's one thing that, that the general land office and the, the land commissioner uh should should be doing secondly that those funds that uh, have come out of the federal government that should be coming into the state uh, to help with debt relief uh, for farmers who have historically not had access to uh, federal uh, programs for farming and ranching, that we should bring those into the state. The 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 ag commissioner um, has has sued the the federal government to not allow those to come into to the state of Texas, and so I would uh, use the the power, the constitutional power of the land commissioner, to bring those funds through this office in, into the state of Texas to the degree that that we can fight for those uh, and then very specifically with veterans i would say a couple of things one and i don't know if i mentioned this earlier but veterans texas veterans homes in the state of texas during the pandemic had double the death rate of any other nursing homes in the state of texas and to you me that is mismanagement that. yeah that's Um uh, yeah. that's okay uh, it, 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 it is something that um, is um, just uh, almost criminal that that we allowed that to happen. O- over a hundred veterans that died uh, in, in our care uh, during during the pandemic, and so uh, to me, that's a lack of management, it's a lack of investment in those homes. You, as I said, have one there in Tyler, um, and I yeah. heard from someone who had an uncle was at a veterans home in big spring who also uh, passed away because they just didn't have the equipment. Um, uh, and, 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 to me, that is, um, uh, you know, it, it's just a lack of empathy. It's a lack of, uh, of um, oversight and management. And what I would do specifically for veterans who are land land or who want veterans. to get into, uh, that business of ranching and farming is to ensure that, and this is really for, for, all veterans, uh, but I think specifically for for black veterans and and, and, um, farmers and ranchers who need access to low-interest loans, that loan rate right now, as I understand, it's about 7%, and to me, that's not where it should be if what we're trying to do is to promote uh, the ownership of land versus really trying to make... uh, money off of off of those loans we have to because it's a self-sustaining um, uh, uh, program if you will the veterans land board and that whole program does not require any funding from the legislature and i think that's actually a good thing uh, but right. we've got to get those rates down below seven percent and that's something that uh, i've heard from a number of texas veterans who have tried to or he or who even have loans from the, the general land office through that program and uh, that does not seem to be overly competitive uh, I think we can get those down so that they're more affordable for more uh, people including uh, black texas veterans
2: Sure, well jay. I remember as a youngster growing up. I, I heard my uh, grandfather and, and my father Talk about uh, when they wanted to expand our, our land, I grew up on lots of land. My family grew watermelons, roses, potatoes, and all kinds of vegetables, as well as uh, many of the African Americans who were on this show tonight as hosts. Uh, our family members uh, went to Am the USDA. Yes, you are unmuted. Hello, Mr. Arthur. How oh, okay. are you? I, I'm going to How finish and I'm going to go to Great, and I'm going to go to you, Mr. Arthur. But what I was saying, uh, Jay, is that I remember them talking about going to uh, the banks and going to uh, wanting the USDA to give them a loan so that they could expand uh, their, their crops and, and their farming and all of the things that they were doing. And they were denied. Uh, and so therein is, is why actually the Black Farmers Association started to um, start organize really so that so that those farmers who were denied uh, getting those loans the loans that we're talking about right now uh that and, and some of them actually lost their land because they didn't have the resources at all and so um, so that's still going on today. The farmers have been up on Capitol Hill trying to get resources that they so richly deserve that they have not been able to uh, to get been working at that for a long time yeah. you know yeah. that as well as i, I do. Yeah. any dialogue and, from and, there and on.
7: Kim kim uh Kim Ratcliffe is actually one of the people. I don't know if you if you know her at Freestone County. I do. Um, I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so she and I were talking, and and I was talking about the the funds that federal funds that were not coming into the state of Texas, and 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 she's. I will credit her with um, suggesting that really the root cause, knowing how difficult uh, it has been to, to get those federal dollars released, that in addition to that, if you could really focus on clearing title on these lands uh that that could really unleash the ability of a lot of a lot of landowners to then access these programs because if you don't have that then as you just said you can't get a bank loan you can't get uh, access to nrcs and usda uh grants and so it's something that um that that i think is really really important and you know for uh, for folks that have clear title I don't think that you they think about it they don't think um how fortunate they are to have that because it 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 just opens uh, so many opportunities for for additional funding and programs that should be available to um to everyone uh and and this is something that that I'd, I'd love to to focus on
2: very good we appreciate that Mr Arthur go ahead
7: yeah, how I, you
8: I, I doing, Mr. Cleaver? I, I think I saw one of your commercials on TV. It was, it was a pretty decent commercial. Uh, and again, what I want to ask you about is, uh, okay, now I live in, well, I'm from in Texas. I'm on a cemetery committee in the bar where my family's cemetery is. We had another cemetery called Red Wine uh, that we're uh, you're trying to discover. And we went out there, and it was, it was a bunch of cows grazing on top of it. Now, the growth, has, growth from Dallas has been to come, I predict, past County so as we go that way uh you know and and, and I've talked to other people around the, around the state uh you know we have a lot of black cemeteries that need to be uh recognized or you know unearthed or whatever so we so folks know where they are because otherwise they're just going to do like they did in Dallas and just build you know highways to them or whatever what could you do to help us uh identify all these cemeteries uh, so that we can make sure that they aren't aren't uh, desecrated uh built upon or whatever
7: sure it, the the purview of the the general land office is are Texas uh, veteran cemeteries and, and there there are four of them around the state um, as far as uh, local cemeteries i 'm not sure that it 's in the purview of the of the general land office i 'm not sure who if that's the local counties that that oversee that um, and so I don't want to I don't want to speak out of turn in terms of what the the land commissioner could actually do in that particular area mm-hmm.
2: Okay. <clears throat> well this is, oh, oh, I want to give some recognition Hi. to uh, mr. Larry Wade here in Tyler Texas who actually uh, organized the National uh, Black Historical Society and uh, and we've actually I agree with with mr. Arthur uh, Jay, we've actually uncovered many, many cemeteries that had grown up and grown over and and mm. people just had grazing, and Dr. Hackney can tell you that as well, that, that people are just grazing uh, animals and cattle and whatever, just walking on top of uh, cemeteries. We have actually uh, the cemetery where a, a professional football player from Tyler, Texas that... Uh, that just just destroy, it. and so that that's mm-hmm. very that was very troubling <laughs> for us, and and that and Dr. Hagney can tell you there's some in his area out there on the land where he lives, and and just all over uh, East Texas, mm-hmm. several of them we're working with now. I think it's about what four or five, uh, Dr. Hagney,
4: right, right, that yeah.
2: have been okay. condemned entirely. Go ahead.
4: Right. I like to also commend Jay's right, the land commission. That's outside of preview. But I would take. I'm on the Cherokee County Historical Commission. I want to give hats to your County Historical mm-hmm. Commission. That's mm-hmm. and out of the state, also the state, uh historical group out of Austin. That's where that preview uh, lies. Uh, I would. This uh, we have our webpage at the Cherokee County Historical Commission, and each county has mm-hmm. a historical commission, and, and they, and they need to work through their historical commission. You know, and also our Cherokee County Historical Commission, we have a page to help individuals how to uh, preserve, how to clean, maintain, and identify uh, those neglected cemeteries. So I would just put out there and uh, uh, approach the Cherokee County Historical Commission on our website. We have all those how to do that, how to recognize, how to clean cemeteries, because a lot of people don't know how to clean cemeteries, uh, procedures, techniques, and also the procedure: How to get that cemetery designated in the state of Texas? If you designate a cemetery as a cemetery, then that cemetery is protected. The problem with a lot of uh, isolated uh, black cemeteries is they have not been designated as cemetery. Once you get there's a state law. Once you get that cemetery designated, they cannot do it. it, it is protected by state law, uh, transportation, all the you know, issues. But those sites need to, like uh, by the way it is doing. Identify those sites and then immediately get those sites designated as a cemetery site, and then work with your local county historical commission for its maintenance, preservation, and all that. With the um, with that, so the Texas historical Historic commission have a good guideline procedure how to follow those, and and has to also go to Reverend Wade because he's doing a fantastic job yeah. on the cemeteries and that follow. But it is a if it's in place. People just need to work the, the system that's in place.
2: Very good. Thank you so much for that. Okay. Any other questions uh from from Jay? I don't know, Pastor Cooper, I don't know if you have anything else. Uh, any other questions if well, if not, go ahead. Go ahead right
3: here. Just to clean up the streets a little bit, uh, back up what Dr. Hagman said about question that Arthur gave to him, but that's what Arthur does, that's what we do. Uh the <laughs> commissioners. <laughs> The local county commissions where you start with the cemeteries, uh, historical uh, districts and things like that, we're doing the same thing. We have Buffalo Soldier Cemeteries, and we have cemeteries where you find like Finding Miriam, that you have uh, African-American yeah. people there with Anglo people, and you find out that there was something going on there. Uh, so I helped him out there, but now I'm going to ask him another question about that. we move on to something else. That is this. What about uh, we, we have a family out here. I don't want to say the name because I don't have permission to put it on the air. But I can put my family out there. Uh, there's land in the uh, in Hancomer area. We moved from East Texas to Hancomer to Sour Lake, and we own land and it was annexed from us and it was stolen from us by the county, the government. How do we recruit that type of land? And there a lot of families that have oil on land like that, and they uh, so you have to uh, show document uh, birth certificates, a Bible with midwives' names in it, but they don't have that information. What do you know about that? What can you do about that?
2: Excellent question.
7: Yeah, good question. So the the general land office, um, it oversees permanent school fund land. So these were lands that were set aside uh, to ultimately benefit public education. So as I mentioned early on in the the show, 22 million acres. Now we're at 13 million acres. A lot of that land was either – Sold off or uh, gifted over over the years, and so unless uh, Michael, unless it's general land office PSF, or uh, there are a couple of boards for lease for new leases uh, on, through which Parks and Wildlife Department and University land leases come through, and the Land Commissioner sits on those uh, boards as chair. That unless it's there. Or, um, you know, somehow underneath the – the uh, you know, R- Railroad Commission would have oversight over any sort of uh, minerals, uh, any sort of case there. But I-, I wish I could say that the land commissioner could could do something in those particular areas. I think something that I would want to do, as we talked about with, uh, with air land, is – that we'd have to set up a program almost similar to what we've got with, or what we had with uh, what was called the Farm and Ranch Lands Conservation Program or um, a- other programs that had previously existed within the General Land Office, create new programs so that we clear up um, that title and get it funded without any uh, interference in the legislature um, so that we could actually enable some of those titles to be cleared. But it would be a new program that we would develop. And so one thing that I've tried to do in the last three months of running for this office is if there's something that I don't feel comfortable that the general land office should necessarily have, uh, or or that they currently don't have responsibility for, I don't want to talk out of turn, uh, unless you know something that I don't there. (laughs) No, I
3: mean, you're right where I am. And, uh, just to help you out a little bit about that, uh, I was just saying, you know, how much study you've given to it. It is an issue. It's a big problem, especially in African-American communities and uh, having to be African-American and be part of those problems. And I understand you have to fight with your uh, congressmen, but in our area, and that's why I want those congressmen. I hope they heard also. In our area, uh, we don't have anyone that's fighting on our behalf. So I, I just check to see what your thoughts were. But thank you. You answered as, as well as you could. Thank you.
2: Well, well, thank yeah. you for that, uh, actually, as a matter of fact, uh, Pastor Cooper, because the uh, congressional candidates are still – let's bring um, uh, Mr. Jefferson. I know he's on. I don't know if uh, uh, Mr. Stephen Cohen is still on or not, and if I'm, he is, we're I'm going here to have to come back in as well. Okay, very Hello, good. Green so Green. Let's bring, let, yeah. Well, yes. Uh, we're going to bring our congressional candidates back in because now we're on their purview of uh, what the That's congressional it. people can do. So we'll start with you, uh, Mr. Jefferson, and then we'll go to Mr. Stevens. Well, can everybody hear me? First of all, can we we can hear you. Fine. Yes. Right okay. Here. Okay.
0: Now, it was a lady who said something earlier that we get our money from taxes. One of the things we're going to do when I'm in Congress, we're going to re-educate people on how our government works. We have a checks and balance system based upon the job that I'm going to do is we make laws and we what allocate budgets. Let me say that again. We make laws and we allocate budgets to make sure that no one is discriminated against. Now, as far as our brothers and sisters, this is a historical moment. They have always stolen land for people that they feel or beneath them. We've been denied for way too long. As your next member of Congress, we're going to sue to challenge all Texas laws that take land without just compensation. People should get due process. And that's how you stop corrupt government. If you go Google what a writ mandamus is, a writ mandamus is the number one instrument to stop state corruption. We're gonna stop sure. it, and we're gonna make sure that we can get everybody their land back at the actual equal value. Plus, they've been taking advantage of us for way too long. All is on the land. We, they take it for taxes, and they they uh, they apply excessive fees. There was a, a Supreme Court ruling called Tims versus Ohio, where. The law says that you can only charge the actual fee. These excessive fees and fines is nothing more than a, a new poll tax to deprive you of your right to vote and your right to have your land. We have fundamental rights and a constitution that is for the government to not have government overreach. And as your next member of Congress to represent East Texas, all the land theft, we're going to go one by one to every county, and we're going to take it back. And as far as the brother talking about, Clear title, right? All of that money that should be going, that's in the uh, that's in the USDA, which is, by the way, the number one, the second uh, recipient of our government budget that we get from the Federal Reserve. We do not get our money from taxes on the federal side. We get it from the Federal Reserve with its own bank. So as your next member of Congress, we're going to make sure. Please
2: forget due process. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Okay, so let me just tell you that there's been a lot of writ, uh, that writ that you just quoted out, uh, that Damus. That a lot of people have filed that and still not gotten any place with that. So I just wanted to uh, throw that out there as well. I know I understand that writ needs to be filed for various and thunder things, but but African Americans have filed, have had. There are court-appointed attorneys to file those, and still nothing happened. Let's go ahead, go to Mr. Stephen, and see what he has to say in regards to this conversation that we're having tonight.
5: Well, uh, hi, I'm Stephen Cosent. I'm running for Congress. Um, I'd love to get Jay's contact information because whether I make it or not, um, a third of my whole platform is about what we can do about climate change, right? I think we can create great jobs here in East Texas, all over Texas by taking Texas from 15 to 50% uh, renewable energy. You know, you see in the Permian Basin, they're bringing out uh, natural gas. Well, they're also leaking uh, methane. And uh, if they would uh, sequester, if they would capture the methane that they're leaking, they'd make $26 million more a year. In Colorado, they have rules that they have to, if you drill for natural gas, you have to capture that methane and not pollute the land. And methane is one of the worst climate uh, gases that we emit. And so I totally agree with him that Texas is doing the worst they can do for, uh, for climate change. And I have a lot of different roles. I mean, I have, I have a plan. I want to plant a billion trees. Right? Trees are not the only answer, but I can, I can drive 500 million people to Home Depot and Lowe's and make this pay for itself and plant a billion trees all over the United States in, in a matter of five years. Now in India, where they have a lot of people, uh, they before COVID hit, they planted 20 million and 30 million and 40 million trees. That's still 930 million trees short of a billion, right? But in Texas over the last 10 years, with hurricanes and fires and pollution and everything else, we've lost half of a billion trees, right? And trees are a great capture uh, carbon capture thing. Also grasslands, which grow much faster. And I've actually talked with uh, the University of uh, Texas A&M and some uh, local arborists, in fact, as well, uh, on which trees to plant in which areas. If you look at what's going on in uh, the southern Sahara, the countries there are planting food trees, not only so they can have crops, but they are pushing back the Sahara Desert from its expansion by planting trees. And so... Yes, we can wait for technology or whatever, but climate change is here right now. It doesn't matter who caused it. We're the only species that can do anything about it, and we need to have all hands on deck. They said uh, seven years ago, we've got about 12 years before this really gets bad. Well, it's really bad right now, and even by their estimates, we only have five years left of problems like acidification of the oceans and many other things going on, so uh, I would love to get Jay's contact information. So whether I make it uh, get elected or not, uh, I would love to be able to push and promote policies that we need, that we could grow our economy, create great jobs, uh, be the leaders in the world. Right? We're 20 years behind where we should be, but you got to start somewhere. And I have plans that would pay for themselves and create this outside of. Uh, Tyler here, there's a solar farm that creates enough electricity <laughs> for 15,000 homes. You know, you go ahead and put seven or eight more of those up, and your every home in Tyler would have solar electricity. And so, uh, And people talk about nuclear, but it takes 10 years for a nuclear plant and $10 billion, assuming the EPA problems are done. And you have issues with nuclear plants as well. But how many solar plants could you put up around Texas for $10 billion, that would go online immediately and not wait 10 years. And so there's so many things we can do, and I'm going to be looking at Jay's uh, website as soon as we get off this call uh, because I want to know more about it because I think he's got all the right ideas. And so I just want to maybe have him weigh in on anything I've just said, and thank you for your time. (laughs) Jay?
7: Well, thanks. Thanks for that. And yeah, you know what you referenced is we're we're losing time, uh, and, and we've got uh, in the state of Texas, whether it's trees or uh, some of, some of the things that we're talking about in terms of carbon sequestration and using upland acreage uh, in the carbon credit markets, you can um, move towards what I would call a triple bottom line with. You're, you're benefiting people and also uh, generating funds for school children and, um, and uh, benefiting the environment and so a lot of what you're talking about the rest of the world is um, is pushing forward on and I think the state of Texas has the, uh, the ability to do it. We're doing it with large scale carbon storage off of uh, the Texas coast off of Jefferson County right now uh, and uh, I, I think that the General Land Office can lead in a lot of these areas. And it also, if you look at the AFL-CIO published what's called the Texas Climate Jobs Project, and there are more than a million dollars in the conversion of uh, buildings to renewables in uh, the conversion of our fleet uh, to uh, electric fleets at the governmental level over the next couple of decades that there are job opportunities in the low emission future in the climate economy for the state of Texas. And it's not necessarily something uh, that we need to think about in dire terms all the time that Texas can be the model for how you grow, how you do it sustainably, how you uh, invest in resiliency uh, in communities and make sure that those, as I mentioned before, who can least afford the impacts of climate change are prepared for it. uh, But also that in places like East Texas, that, We are investing in our public schools, uh, and then we're investing in areas that will be where the jobs of the future are. So um, I'm going to just take this opportunity, because you gave it to me, and uh, give you our our website. uh, And you can find information about the campaign, about all the endorsements. We've received endorsements from every single major Texas newspaper, uh, along with a number of uh, current and former elected officials from all over the state, uh, and, and other organizations that we're really proud of. We've been building a broad coalition. It's uh, J A Y the number four T X dot com, and you can find information there. And I got to tell you, voter turnout is very low right now. Yeah. And so if yeah. you have not voted, uh, well, I have been all over the state, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, I have. I was in Lubbock about a week ago, and then I went. Uh, to the DFW area a couple of days ago. Before that, I was down in Cameron County and Hidalgo County in the valley. Uh, was talking to some folks from Bosque County before this uh, show was in Harris County uh, about three or four days ago, and and everywhere around the state, there are small pockets where turnout is better than others. But uh, generally, I think the number is somewhere hovering around four uh, percent. But doc- Doctor, you may have the The correct number it is so important to get out and
2: vote tomorrow absolutely and and let me just share once again that one in six uh, people who have voted here in Smith County have gotten their uh, vote thrown out because of various and sundry things so we encourage those that did do mail-in ballots to just go on down and make sure that your ballot is going to be counted because otherwise, if there's anything that's gone wrong with it, it will, it will not be counted. And so we want to make sure every single uh, vote counts because elections are won on two and three votes. That's really crucial, really important. And unfortunately, Jay is absolutely correct. Our turnout here in Smith County has, has been quite low. Uh, Mr. Jay, I want to bring, bring you back in for a second because I, I want to dialogue a little bit on, uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna take the last few minutes and talk about um, the war that's going on um, in uh, Ukraine and what's happening with Russia and the involvement of America. But you you, you mentioned that um, that the our income taxes, I think that's what you said that it's not uh, it's not used by uh, the government. It, 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 correct me if I'm incorrect.
7: Oh no! Yeah, no. That, yeah, no, what, that, no, that, that uh, we, yeah, we're we're generating uh, about a billion dollars a year in revenue off of the General Land exactly. Office's uh, land holdings, right? And there's a there's a cap on how much the General Land Office sends to the fifty billion dollar permanent school fund endowment, and uh, so there's a delta between there's a gap between that billion and the six hundred million. And both part of the 600 million and part of that gap between a billion and six hundred and six600 is being utilized to balance the state's budget, not oh, yeah. to fund public education, exactly. So you, you were right on that. And one, and one thing that, except for the income tax piece, is one, exactly. one thing that that you have to also think about is our property taxes. Uh, remain where they are in part uh, because of additional funding that we send up to the state uh, for um, public education, right? And this is another piece of that. It, it's not a huge piece, um, okay. you know, but it is a part of what keeps our property taxes low because it ultimately generates funds uh, for the acquisition of textbooks and technology for K-12 education that you or I or others that pay property taxes don't have to pay. Um, so it does It does ultimately, regardless of where you live in the state of Texas, it does uh, right. impact you.
2: Absolutely. Very good. Thank you uh, so much for that. Um, JJ, Mr. Jefferson, any any uh, other comments? We're going to bring them back in for a second. want to talk about the last few minutes of what's going on. Uh, in Ukraine. And let me tell you, I, I have to commend those uh, those men who got their families across that border over into Poland. These are all of these areas that we're seeing right now that we're talking about. I've, I've made many steps in the Ukraine area and the Poland area. Uh, and I'm Iraqi war uh, veteran, Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom as well as we also have another veteran, two more, uh Mr uh, Dr. Hagney and, and Mr. Arthur, who are veterans as well. Uh And uh, it, 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 we it understand. Sir, sir. Yes, sir, yes,
3: sir. go ahead. Sir, did, 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 did,
8: did, you, did, you did hear about them uh, when they were getting on them trains. Uh, they, had a, they had a problem with them after them getting on there before, they, before the Ukrainians. <laughs> yes. So they
4: just
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> and you're right. yes, I did hear uh, hear about that. but but I what I was saying is those guys are getting their families across uh, over in Poland, and then they're turning around and getting back on the trains and going back uh, to defend their country. Uh, so our discussion tonight uh, at, at the um, debate was uh, that we need to keep uh, our resources uh, in America. And not uh, not send things to other parts of the of the world to fight their war, but to take care of veterans, to take care of our, our people who are liking things. And so, I just wanted to hear a little bit of dialogue. I know that I know that that America that America is a is a caring country, and when we see people suffering, we want to help. So. Let's jump in, and I can hear Jay. I can start with you, and, and then we can just do a little round-robin on this. We'll bring uh, uh, our Jay in, and then we'll bring in uh, Dr. Hackney, and then we'll bring in Mr. Arthur, and then uh, Pastor Cooper, and then we'll end with our two congressional candidates. Go right ahead, gentlemen. We'll start with you, Jay.
7: Sure, and, and I'll make mine uh short just because of the, the responsibilities of this office, but I do want to comment on, on one thing that is somewhat related. And I, But in terms of Ukraine, I, I do think that if we're not sending uh, funds there, and I agree with you that we should be focused on what's happening here in the United States, that we should be supporting a country uh, that is trying to operate independently and uh, make their own decisions uh, that's currently uh, being being invaded that we we should support with sanctions and everything else that we have done um, those those efforts what what i did want to just mention real quickly is you know th- this to me sounds a lot like what's going on with operation lone star um, that we are spending funds on the texas mexico border uh, really playing politics with our military and our troops uh, when in, in my opinion is not uh, necessary uh, to expend those uh, resources to send young men and women uh, to the Texas Mexico border um, away from their families away from their jobs uh, unnecessarily and that the general land office role in all of this is back in the spring of last year uh, George P Bush who again is vacating this seat to run for Attorney General gave your and my public land in Stark County to the governor to build a section of border wall that costs $20 million. Uh, and if you know the statistics of wall that has already been constructed along the Texas-Mexico border and the U.S.-Mexico border, there is no data to suggest, uh, this is from the Government Office of Accountability, that any of it uh, works, that it has done the job that uh, they have intended it to do. And so I see that as, a waste of taxpayer dollars, a waste of our energy, and a waste of uh, our um, military's uh, time uh, and their mental health, and in many cases, their own lives um, due to suicide in our own state. Uh, that I, I appreciate that we're talking about Ukraine, and, and but I also think we do have uh, some serious uh, leadership um, challenges here in, in the state of Texas as it relates to the expenditure of funds for um for for military purposes.
2: Thank you so much for that. Outstanding. Doctor Hagney. Mr. Arthur. Doctor Hagney may
4: be yes, I, I, I that's
2: one. One. Yeah,
4: as I as I said one let's hear from uh, the vet As one. I said before, uh, I'm you know I'm um that being a veteran i I'm always for supporting country of need. But my issue, I asked a couple of months ago, that. I was told that the um, bill, we have to take care of veterans. You know, we can all over wrong. My heart, when we come back at all the dedication, we must take care of our veterans. I think JJ mentioned earlier, the suicide of an individual because um, he, was served, he did not receive from his, from his VA administration. I think there's a bill, correct me if I'm wrong, veterans who are Exposed to, I guess, the smoke or whatever in Iraq, uh, Iraq. is it true that there's still a way to be you know, a bill getting through Congress so they, they so they can be taken care of?
2: Some veterans are still not receiving their benefits.
4: But the, I mean, those that are exposed to the smoke uh, smoke uh, uh, bill there in Iraq, and they're they're uh, they're not being taken care of. You know? Uh, can we take care of that? Can we solve that? Also,
2: I hope I the mean, congressional I I hope the, the congressional candidates mm-hmm. are listening, <laughs> and and yeah, we're yeah, going to end
8: that, with that, them and let them, hey, you know, them answer. Yeah, we're Vietnam, if we're still if we yeah,
2: Vietnam, Vietnam, we're still waiting. Yeah,
8: oh, hey, exactly and the Vietnam veterans. That's correct. Hey, You know, so hey, yeah. So the the important was, uh, now I predicted that Putin would not invade. Ukraine, and the reason I predict that because the old Putin, he was smarter than that. Now, I don't know where this one came from, you know. <laughs> but now that he's done it, uh, and I and I appreciate I appreciate them doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know they they they're smashing. You, you know they, they're going to go because this is the only opportunity they're going to get to smash this guy and put him in a box. And so <clears throat> and so this is an opportunity for them to get rid of. Now it also ties into the white supremacist movement here in here in the United States. So that's what makes it really important that uh, Ukraine win this, because, because again, uh, Putin is the head white supremacist globally. So, uh, so this is a very, uh, you know, very for, uh, you know, uh, uh, important fight, and I'm glad that the United States is doing the right thing as far
3: as uh, helping those folks.
2: Thank you for that, Mr. Arthur. Uh, Pat Cooper.
3: Well, I, I just want to sum up everything that, because I know we're running out of time, and that is just, I believe, uh, that like Justin in tongue. Somebody said we had low voter turnout and this, that. Uh, but I'm optimistic, which means that we need one more vote uh, than the candidate that we don't need to send to fight in the Republicans in, in, in the general election. So uh, I heard some great stuff tonight. Uh, so I need these candidates that are the candidates for the future and the candidates due to uh, fight on the battlefield in November to get one more vote than their opponent. As the governor of the great state of Texas, I need one more vote tomorrow than all the other opponents. And then I need one more vote than uh, Greg Abbott in the general election. So we need one more vote. That's what we need to push. We need one more vote. We can't do anything about 29 million people not showing up to the polls. We need one more vote to get the right candidate to get one more vote than the Republican Party next November. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Pastor Cooper. Steven?
5: Yes. I'm here. Go
2: right ahead. Yes, go right right ahead and share share your...
5: So a a couple couple of quick things. A couple of quick things. Uh, It took 10 years to cajole the government into providing health care for the first responders of 9-11. So, yes, we should get it to the veterans. And if I'm elected, I will be pushing for that because uh, we shouldn't be leaving people out for some stupid reason. We should be taking care of our veterans. Uh, What's going on in the border that Jay was talking about, political theater by Greg Abbott to make himself look strong, and uh, the stories coming out of there are horrible, and they're not doing anything down the border, but what I want to talk about is the war, and so uh, Mr. Zelensky, the head of Ukraine, is uh, doing everything he can do. We are bound by treaties and not treaties for what we can do. We cannot go in there and fight the war for him. All we can do is provide help and humanitarian help. And before uh, earlier today, I was reading a story about a man who was on the train coming from Poland, and he's 38 years old. He had a young son and a younger daughter, and he gave them to this lady who was getting to go across the border. And she had just met him on the train, and he's getting his children to this lady because he's required to go back and fight. And so wow. he did that. And so I have so much compassion for the people yes. of Ukraine who did not ask for this war and they're doing everything they can to, to stop it. And what i really got to say as America's position on this is if we don't stand up for democracy, who will? We are the example to the world, right? We are the shining gas on the hill or whatever we're supposed to be. We're supposed to stand up for democracy, and especially against communism. For 100 years, the last 100 years, our whole thing is uh, freedom over communism, And so we need to support in every way legally possible Ukraine because it's going to go, if if we just let him have Ukraine, then he's going to be heading into Poland, which we are required to defend. He's going to be heading into Finland, who wants to join NATO now that Putin's done this. And so it is a much smaller cost now to do everything we can and add all the humanitarian aid we possibly can. Then to let Putin do this event now, and I've been reading that some of his oligarchs are starting to get upset. The ruble is being crushed, yeah. and these short-term uh, positive things coming out of our sanctions are really doing some damage. And so maybe he'll rethink this and back off before he uh, creates World War III, basically. Thank Excellent,
2: you. thank you You just actually outlined a couple of things that I, that I wanted to end with On how that This can affect Americans So we'll end, we'll give you a couple of minutes uh, Mr. J.J., and then uh, then The final comments are going to come from Our special guest tonight uh, Jay, for which we have just Embraced and learned so much from him So quickly, uh, J.J., give you a final uh, Comments in regards to uh, Go ahead well, first of all, once again, Congress' job is to write
0: laws and make budgets. Uh, we can't afford the luxury of protecting anyone except Americans. What we're about to do with these sanctions, right, our national budget is $30 trillion. Since 1971, we spent a trillion dollars on the war of drugs, and that's a great investment. We should do one thing, and that's talk about preparing to protect and defend America. China is behind all of this. People are failing to realize that the fiat system is over with. In 1913, the IMF, they did a charter, and America became the the world reserve currency. Right now, this conflict is about who will have the next world reserve currency. And the International Money Fund has just said it a month and a half ago that the digital Chinese won. We're going into a digital world currency. The Fiat system is over with, and what we need to be talking about why we still have money or have some value is the second Amendment. If you want to stop the want to end the war on drugs on the border, invest in the militia. We need militias in every state. The funding is there. The funding is with the military right now, the defense budget to take care of our veterans to give them more. We should not be giving a penny to anybody to agitate them. And as far as the conflict that we have with our NATO allies, the one thing I did agree with Trump in is we need to make sure everybody is paying their fair share. We're not the defenders of the world. When people here in America, in East Texas, they get their land snatched, and nobody comes to their defense. When you get locked up for a crime you didn't do, nobody comes to your defense. And as far as my sister, when she said a writ of mandamus, when we, our court-appointed attorneys, put them in, the Bar Association is in London. They have a quick pro-agreement that we don't get the justice because they talk us out of it or get us to do a settlement. But when we stand against tyranny ourselves, we win that's how we win. But we need to really look at the Constitution, and we need to enforce it because China has over 30 million people down that took over the Panama Canal, and right now in Nicaragua, they're talking about building an even bigger canal through Nicaragua. We remember the country war, and they're not trying to bring bigger ships but warships in there. So we have to Okay, be on I'm going
2: to jump in. Alert. There I'm you go. In. I'm going to be Thank quiet. 9.59, and we're going to give Jay their final comments. And because our show is going to end shortly, we don't want to get cut off. But, Jay, go ahead and give us your final comments, anything that you want to say quickly in regards to your campaign.
7: Great. Well, uh, I just want to say that I think the natural beauty and the economic dynamism of this state are at risk, but that we can take collective action. We've proven that we can do that over the last 150 years. As J.J. said, no one is coming to our rescue, Uh, and that I believe that we, along with um, the General Land Office and this Texas Land Commissioner race and all of the things that we've talked about, uh, that we can lead in the clean economy of the future and prove uh, that Texas can continue to lead, not just in energy, but we can improve our educational system, our care for Texas veterans, and uh, resiliency. And so thank you so much for doing this tonight, and uh, I appreciate it. Get out and vote tomorrow.
2: Yes, and thank you guys so very much. This has been an outstanding show. I have enjoyed it so very much, and we thank all of our special guests for coming in. Join us anytime on Marvelous Monday. We are right back here at 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. every single Monday. And next week we're going to be talking about how this election turned out. We're going to be talking about how this um, Ukraine is going to be affecting America if it doesn't stop soon. And so thank you very much, and stay tuned and listen to our uh, outing. uh, As far as our music is concerned, Uh, we're saying have a great evening. Get out there to vote. Tomorrow is March the 1st right here in Texas. And please, 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 go vote. Your vote is your voice. Thank you very much guys for being on with us tonight on Marvelous Monday. And we look forward to seeing you right back here again on next week. And now thank you, Miss Rihanna, we'll turn it over to you.
1: One day, when the glory comes, here will be the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, glory, glory, Glory. glory, glory, hands to the heavens, no man, no weapon. Justice is just in us Justice for all just ain't specific enough One son died, his spirit is revisiting us True and living, living in us Resistance is us That's why Rosa sat on the bus That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up When it goes down, we woman and man up They say stay down, and we stand up Shots be on the ground, the camera panned up King pointed to the mountaintop, and we ran up One day When the glory comes, it will be out, it will be out. Oh, one day, when the war is won.
7: Chumba. That's right, chumbacasino.com has over hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-ch-chum. ChumbaCasino.com. No 80 plus website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.